born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. If you can believe the book of Genesis, you'll have no trouble believing anything else in the Bible. The attack today is to attack the book of Genesis. That's why there's such an attack upon the story of creation. And evolution is an attack upon the Bible. It's an attack upon God. It is a religion of the atheist. But remember this, true science and creation agree perfectly. Whenever the Bible talks about create out of nothing, and then there's things that God made out of things that he created, Evolution can only deal with that which has been made and cannot answer the question, can something come from nothing? Well, something can't come from nothing, but something is here. And so they can only deal with things that are here were made by the things that were already here because evolution cannot create out of anything because it always has to progress upon that which went before it. So in evolution, you have to say this came from, mankind came from a lower form of animal. Where'd they come from? Well, they came from a common ancestor. Where'd they come from? Well, they came from a ooze of the Nile. And the, well, where'd they come from? Well, that came from four gases that came together. And where'd that come from? Well, a big bang theory. Where'd that come from? See, they have to keep saying where something come from. Well, the Bible says that um, there was nothing. And God created it. And evolutionists can't cross that line. But with God, see, all things are possible. If you can believe the first words in the book of Genesis, and look in verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If God created the heavens and the earth, that means he created it out of nothing. So it is here, the Bible tells what God did. So if anybody is going to uh, disbelieve the story of creation, then they should at least listen to what God said. So God's the one that says when the beginning started. And before this, there's God. But God can create out of nothing. That's what the word in the Hebrew means. But then there were things that God made from that which was made. He says he took the dust of the earth and uh, made a body that a man lives in. So the body of man was made from the dust of the earth that God had already created. The Bible has the answers. It just depends on whether or not people have our minds already made up and don't want to know the answer, have no desire to know what God's Word says. The Bible tells us that he did things in six days. Now, when the book of Genesis was written, remember, 
God gave this story to Moses on Mount Sinai. Adam and Eve had already come and gone, and the, the flood had already done happen. When he's writing this, and God put it into his word, and telling the story, I think that God knew whether it was 24 hours or 240,000 geological ice ages. No. It was one revolutionary turn of the earth. Because the God that told him to write Genesis is the one that gave him the law that says it was six days, and so either you go by what God says or you don't. But don't try to manipulate the Word of God. Look there in chapter 2. Look in chapter 2. There's not really two creation stories in the book of Genesis. Some people say there's two creation stories. There's only one story of creation. It's explained on two different chapters, but there's only one story. And he gives like a, um, an outline, like sometimes I will give you an outline of what I'm going to cover, and then I go back and I cover it. Look here in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day. Now on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day. But the previous chapter tells what he did on each one of those days. And even says what he did on the sixth day. But now it's kind of like I'm telling you what I done told you. And then I'm going to tell you some more. Give you some more details. And he says in verse 3, And God blessed the seventh day, sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. So that's what God said he did, and that's what I believe he did. Now, take your, hold your place here. Look all the way over there in the book of Exodus in chapter 20. When God told Moses what to write concerning the law, well, he also told him the story of Genesis and how he began, what he did on what day. The same God, at the same time, gave the same story. Even though these things happened in Genesis, and what happened here could have been 1,500 years later. It doesn't matter. They were written at the same time by Moses. He wrote the first five books of the Bible. So in Exodus in chapter 20, you notice there in verse uh, 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The Sabbath day is the same Sabbath day, the seventh day that God talked about over there in Genesis in chapter 2. And he says here in verse 9, Six days shalt thou labor, because God created the heavens and the earth in six days. He rested on the seventh day. This is the same thing. Didn't say worship on the seventh day, which the Seventh-day Adventists try to do. Just says you don't work that day. Because God made the body. He made the earth. He says it has to rest. And I think people would be better off if they did rest a day. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservants, and uh, nor thy maidservants, nor the cattle, nor any stranger that is within thy gate. Why? In verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. Now, do you think the six days in verse 11 coincide with the six days in verse 6? It would be the same length of time. I think so. If you're trying to find a way to harmonize evolutionary teaching which needs eons of time to explain where we came from and how the animals got here and so forth, well, then you need all the time in the world because the evolutionists believe that in time, enough time, anything is possible. So they talk about millions and billions of years. You don't find that in the Bible. I believe that God can create the earth with the appearance of age. 
just like he created Adam, created Eve. I believe they had the appearance of being so old, but how old? I don't know. Maybe they all looked like they were 30. Who knows? They can't look like Caleb. They were able to have children. They were able to think. They could speak. They were probably two of the uh, most intelligent people before Solomon there ever was. They didn't have a corrupt mind. Adam was able to name all the animals of the garden. He wasn't bent over in some cave, you know, learning how to make a fire and, and talk about grunt, 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 grunt. No, that's, that's the caveman talk of the evolutionary teaching. That's not Bible. Well, they're talking about the prehistoric man. There's no prehistoric man because we have the history of the first man. Now, where's the history before this man? There's nobody before Adam. Adam was the first man. There was nobody before Adam. And we have the history of Adam and his wife, his children, their names, and on down the line. We have the genealogy. So where's the prehistoric? There isn't any such thing. That's evolutionary teaching, but you'll find that in your textbooks in the public school. But he makes a statement here in verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is rested on the seventh day. And that's what God did. And this is why you have the story, and it talks about the six days. And verse 2 says, And the earth was without form and void. And I know that even the Schofield reference notes try to say that this was a time when there was a cataclysmic judgment, perhaps upon the angels that sinned against God, and therefore uh, everything was destroyed. And the earth laid in this state for millions and millions of years. Nobody knows. You can put all the years you want in here. And then, because of that judgment that God brought upon the earth, now God is going to recreate everything off the earth again, on the earth again. Romans chapter 5. Sometimes we, we find our direction by checking our roots. But our roots doesn't go back 100 years or 200 years. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Let's go back to the roots. That's where we all came from. And after the flood, those were our roots. We go all the way back, everybody, to the family of Noah. We all have the same roots. Is that we are many branches. But we're all same people coming from one main root. But in the book of Romans, in chapter 5, look what it says in verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world... So, how did sin enter into the world? By one man. The Bible tells us that the first man was Adam. Sin came into the world by one man. And if there was sin and God killed all these prehistoric men that lived upon the earth before this, you know, the one they call the Cro-Magnon and the Heidelberg man, the Pithecanthropus erectus man, the Australopithecine man, all these supposedly fossils that prove that we came from some ape man well that means if they uh, there were men and they died that means that sin was here and death came into the world by way before Adam true how can you have all of them die if there was no sin in the world he says wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world death by sin so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned so we know how that sin came into the world. Look in verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from a caveman. No, it starts with who? And it starts with that first man. So the first man, 
as the Bible says, was Adam. Now, the New Testament says this. The Old Testament says this. Who am I to say that there were prehistoric men on the earth before them? In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look at verse 45. Verse 45 in your Bible. Verse 45 says, And so it is written, the first man. Now, who says that Adam was the first man? The Bible. So if God says the first man was Adam, the New Testament says it was Adam, the Old Testament says it was Adam, then I believe it was probably Adam. And he says, and sin came into the world through the man. He says, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. Last Adam, a quickening spirit. Now, who is the world's the last Adam? The last Adam is Christ. See, there's two families. So here's Adam, and he represents the whole human family. The second Adam, Christ, everybody born into his family represents a new set of species, a new human race. They're all born without a sinful nature. These, all sinful nature. Christ, no sinful nature. Divine nature. Live forever. Two different families. This Adam, the first Adam, remember in Genesis chapter 5, this is the book of the generation of Adam, and it names all these people, and they all die. Matthew chapter 1, new book, New Testament, Christ, new family, and it says, and this is the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, and there's no deaths recorded. So you see, there's death in this book, this family, no death in this family. So that's why once you're in the family of God, you never die. The only reason we will face death in this world is because we're still a family, part of the family of the human race. Still got that old human body, old sinful nature, and it's going to die one of these days. So you understand that. Now look what he says in verse 47. The first man is of the what? Earth. And the second man is the Lord from where? See, we know who it is. The second man is the Lord, and he came from heaven. So if he came from heaven, and you say to Jesus Christ when he came to him, where did you come from? He came from heaven. He came from a place where he existed before he got here. Now, if I say to you, where did you come from? Well, you don't know of any place else except you were born in some city, some place. Well, in evolution, see, they have to say where you come from. And so they can go back only so far. And, but if you give the evolutionists enough time, they say anything is possible. But it breaks all the scientific laws. That's why evolution is not scientific. It means it's, a, um, it's based upon hypothetical opinions. And they cannot truly, scientifically demonstrate their theory. We are here today and we came from some common ancestor. All right, prove that. Scientifically, they cannot prove that. The facts are not there. They believe, but they have no evidence to prove it. They got a bone. And they believe that we came from some simple forms of life down the line. But the Bible says it's just the opposite. We came from highly complex forms of life. And we have fallen and we get worse. Evolution says we came from nothing and we're getting better and better. We're climbing up this evolutionary ladder. So does creation that says we had a fall and evolution says we're getting better and better going in the opposite direction? Are they compatible? They know we're compatible. We're talking about two different philosophies altogether. One is from God, 
And the evidence is true by what God says. What evolutionists say isn't true. We're not getting better and better. And life doesn't get more complex as it gets older. Scientific law states this, the law of biogenesis, genesis, the law of beginning. Life must come from life and exist on previous life. All life today can only exist on previous life. Everything that's alive exists on previous life and has to come from something that was alive. That's a scientific fact. All right, let's take it all the way back. There's divine life, spiritual life. There's human life. There's animal life. There's plant life. Material. Inanimate objects. You got rocks. Can that which has no life give birth to that which has life? No. Then there is no way for evolution to ever happen. They talk about the first law of thermodynamics, but the second law of thermodynamics is that everything has a tendency of running downhill toward chaos. Anything you let go gets worse and worse. You can build yourself an expensive car, set it outside. Does it improve or does it after a while start getting rusted? Everything goes down. They talk about the evolution of the telephone. It ain't no evolution of a telephone. It's the evolution is not even happening. There is no such thing as evolution of the telephone. It's the development of a telephone. Did that telephone create itself? And did it get better and better till we now have cell phones? Or did it do it by itself? Did this cell phone that we have today that takes pictures, did it happen without an outside force, without a plan, without a designer? Did it happen that way? No. So then it's not an evolution where it progressed upward without outside force. And yet that's what we're supposed to believe that happened to you and I. It just happens, and we've gotten better and better and better. We were animals, and now we're getting better and better. No, we're not. Here, a guy took something that was already existing and made something out of that which already existed. He didn't create anything out of nothing. But he can take something and then upon that, with more knowledge, add to that and develop it. We have the development of the automobile, but there's no such thing as the evolution of the automobile. The car did not evolve. In other words, here's my old A-model Ford, and all of a sudden I got me a Mustang and did it all by itself. Nobody did it. You believe that? I can't buy that. You wouldn't buy that with a car. Well, why would you believe that about the human body? That it evolved and got better and better. No, they talk about mutations. That within species there is mutations. And there are mutations. But 99% of all mutations are harmful. In other words, nothing's ever made better because of a mutation within species. But I want you to see this. Look up here in 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. When God made the animals, isn't it wonderful, listen to this, that God not only made an animal, he made the animal where it can reproduce after its own kind. Do you think that something without a mind, without a brain, can make that happen? I mean, to be able to develop Something that is alive and in it has the seed of reproduction. That is incredible, how it can reproduce itself. Isn't it amazing how that you can take a cow? A cow, let's say you got a, a, a brown cow that eats the green grass 
and gives white milk and yellow butter. What a machine! Let the evolutionist today create such a, an animal. Here's a chicken, and all it does is eat all the little worms on the ground and anything that it can see and peck and eat. And, and next thing, it makes a wonderful thing like an egg. And on the inside of that egg, you can crack it open, and there's a, the yolk and the, the white of the egg, and, and, and it's so good to eat. And yet, if you leave it alone and fertilize, it becomes another chicken. How did that chicken that doesn't have a brain produce the egg that can make another chicken out of that egg? That's God. And yet they want us to believe that it just happened. It just happened. And yet every animal is able to reproduce after its own kind. Every tree is able to reproduce after its own kind. Every blade of grass, it can reproduce after its own kind. Isn't that awesome? You stop and think about it. A man today on the top of the evolutionary ladder is not able to make anything like that. And he's supposed to be the brain. And he can't do it. Remember I said this. Where do the eyes come from? They say some light sends it to the spot like a freckle. Well, aren't you glad they didn't develop in the seat of your pants? Every time you sit down, you go blind. I'm so glad I got my eyes right there in the front. I wouldn't mind having one in the back just to keep an eye on Leon and the rest of y'all. But now get what he says down through here. It says in verse 39, All flesh is not the same flesh. There is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beast, another of fish, another of birds. And that is a scientific fact, and that is true today. They can test the blood of people, and their blood is different from the blood of a fish and the blood of an animal. You need a blood transfusion? Don't get it from an elephant. It won't, it won't be good for you. <laughs> it won't match. You have to be careful even getting certain kind of blood from people. The wrong kind will kill you. But all these things is so interesting in the Bible where God says that he made all these things. And he's the one that says how things are going to work. Uh, the other thing I want you to see there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look what he says there in verse 21. Verse 21. He says, For since by man came death, not by the angels, by man, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. The first man, Adam, died. The second man, Christ, died, became back from the dead. Now get what he says here. For as in Adam, all do what? All right, that's the first man. So everybody born from Adam, he's our root. That's where we came from. So whatever happened to Adam is what's going to happen to us. And he died. We all die. Now get what else he says here. Even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. So every person of the human race, from the first Adam that will believe in Christ, all will be made alive. One you die, one you live. I am glad that I am in that second family. Now get what he says. Verse 23. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end. There's a time coming where even in Matthew it says, and when shall the end be? When will the end come? And he says there's going to be rumors and, of wars and all this stuff and all these things are going to happen. But the end is not yet. But then he says, the end 
is here. The end comes. And he'll deliver this world, the kingdom up to his heavenly father. And I go back to the book of Genesis. Back to the book of Genesis. We have finally covered the first two verses. And the earth was without form and void. That means that when God created the heavens and the earth, he took and put the material. Everything's there. Now he's going to shape it. Now he's going to make something from it. Now he's going to take and have different days on what he does. And it says that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now here you're seeing that in the beginning God, that word God is Elohim. It's a plural word in the, word in the Hebrew, and it means three or more. It's a plural word. So he says, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. Well, where's Jesus? In the book of Genesis, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And you read the book of Colossians in chapter 1, and it makes the same statement that He created everything, and by Him all things consist or are held together. Jesus Christ was here on creation day. And this is why you'll also see it makes a statement. He said, let us make man in our own image. Look there in verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image. Well, who in the world was he talking to? He was not talking about the angels. I believe he's talking about the Godhead. There's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And man is a is a trinity. You got God the Father, Christ, the Holy Spirit, and each one of these, God is the Spirit, but every one of these, there's like the soul of man, the body, and the spirit. And Christ is the physical, the body that came into the world. The body has to prepare. We have a body, a soul, a spirit. Our body is what makes us world conscious. Our soul is what makes us self-conscious. Our spirit is what makes us God conscious. So we're conscious of these things. And, but we're spiritually dead uh, when you're born to the world with a sinful nature. And so by trusting Christ as Savior, you're made spiritually alive. And so like I've said before now, here's your spirit. Here's your soul. Here's your body. Your body is what connects to the world. You live in this body so you can connect to the world because you in this body, you can see the world, hear the world, touch the world, smell the world. You can do all things through your senses. That's because the soul can work through the body. But the soul has a spirit. And the spirit is how you communicate to God. Okay, but you're cut off from God spiritually. So spiritually, a man, the spirit is how the soul connects to God. But see, when you're spiritually dead, you might know that there is a God, but you don't know God. So when the Holy Spirit indwells you, makes you spiritually, what? Alive. Now, through the spirit, we know God. And that's why he says, the things of God can no man know except the spirit, which is in man. So the Holy Spirit can reveal these things to you because now you're spiritually alive. So the Bible says that you and I, as the soul, God wants our soul to be happy, our body to be healthy, our spirit to be holy. And so you can be happy if you do the things right in the body, and you can be happy when your soul is right with God spiritually. And so this is why you as an individual, you have so much more that you can enjoy 
than the lost man. A lost man cannot enjoy anything spiritually, but a Christian can. You can enjoy the world. And he says, he hath given us all things freely to enjoy. But through the Spirit, we learn what things not to enjoy, not to love. And if you'll use these things wisely, you can be so much more intelligent, make greater decisions, and God will bless you even more so for doing so. How permanent is your salvation? Can you lose it? Are you 100% sure that you'll go to heaven? To help you in answering that question, Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.